San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer. Coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760KFMB, you can hear us on, on any device live. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com. And uh, we also stream at 760KFMB.com. And now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's, uh, he's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I am doing great, Joe. Yeah, boy, boy, last week's show. Yeah, that was, that was really something. <laughs> Typically, I like to have a few laughs during the show, but boy, that was uh, kind of a, a uh, heart-rending show, but... Uh, did, Gosh, did you get through the book? I did, and uh, I didn't want to read. I read her epilogue, Dr. Kalanithi's epilogue, over the weekend because I knew if I read it before, I probably c- couldn't get through the uh, the show without a box of Kleenex. Uh, but it is really, uh, I mean, she. there's three quotes in there. I mean, she's, I don't know if you guys know, the number one bestseller on the New York Times list, by the way. But it's a memoir about her husband, who was a doctor, who uh, in his last two years of his life wrote this book, uh, and he passed it. Matter of fact, tomorrow's one-year anniversary. Since yeah, he, he passed, passed away at the age of 37. Yeah. So well, you said there were three quotes? Well, yeah. I mean, when she said, you know, thank you for loving me, I mean, oh, my God. I mean, I remember that movie, Love. I mean, I, I cried. I mean, you must have cried when you read that, right? Some yeah, I read stuff. the book about two days before we did the show. Yeah, it's it's something else. but Just, uh, just to have time to recover. But uh, best wishes to, to her and, and, and family. I'm sure you, you must have sent her the podcast and, and everything, right? And well, I was going to wait until after the ninth. Yeah. Okay, that's a good, yeah, good idea. But on a more positive note, I was invited to the uh, opening of the Fireside, the new Fireside restaurant. As you recall, Richard, we had the owner of the patio, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Gina Champion Kane. She had the, the two great places, the one in PB and, and then uh, the one in Mission Hills. Right. And uh, just embarked on this, this new place, uh, Fireside at Liberty Station. You enter uh, Liberty Station where Corvette Diner is on the Lytton Street uh, uh, entrance, and it is just beyond that. Man, what a cool place. And I had a pork chop, of which I, unlike I've never seen before, I felt like Fred Flintstone or something, but <laughs> it really was de- delicious. So uh, so check it out, folks. And uh, it's, it's uh, spacious, too. It's a lot more roomy than the, uh, the other two, 7,000 square feet. But we should not uh, digress too long because we have two guests in studio tonight. And um, I don't know how many folks have heard about the Independent Voter Project, but uh, they do get millions in their, in their web traffic and they have tons of followers. And we have uh, the founder and, uh, well, two, I mean, Chad Peace, I'll just get right to it. Chad Peace is the co-founder. Uh, or maybe the founder, and then also Jeff Marston, former assemblyman who works w- over there as well. But anyway, I want to welcome to the show Chad Peace. Chad, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Outstanding. Well, uh, before we get into your, your enterprise here, uh, maybe you tell us a little bit about your background. I know your dad is Steve Peace, and, um, and, and most people would know that, I would think. So, uh, you know, you were born and raised, obviously, you're a native of San Diego, right? Yeah, so my involvement in this, I guess, depends on how far you want to go back. Well, born uh, and raised, you know, what part of town you are born and raised? Where'd you go to high school, college, and, and then uh, all that other good stuff? And then we'll get into the, and how you launched into this, so. All right, I was born and raised in uh, El Cajon, went to Valhalla High School. So nice. Na- native San Diegan. Third, I'm El Capitan, just so you know. Yeah, fellow East Countyan. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So born and raised here. I went to college at UCLA, came back to San Diego, went to law school at USD, um, and uh, found it hard to leave San Diego like a lot of people. Wow. What'd you major in at UCLA? Uh, economics and philosophy. Wow. That's that's great. And then uh, you you wanted you had an inkling to be uh, a trial attorney, or uh, you, you just wanted to get you wanted to get a law degree and 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 then think of it for, think about it from there, or what? You know, I never. Never went into law school thinking, oh, I want to be an attorney. It was more, I want to know what and have it, what, what an attorney does and have a degree that an attorney has. Wow. And I had a special interest in uh, elections and politics and mm-hmm. how it works. So I took my time there. I took every law of democracy class. Well, and, you probably got more out of it than most, <laughs> most students because you were really in yeah. there to absorb the... Uh, the knowledge. Did they have a class in election law when you went there? Or? They did, actually. Uh, Assemblyman Brian Mainshine taught an election law class. He took that class. It was awesome. He did a great job. Um, had, a, <laughs> had, a, had, a, had a little shout-out for Brian. Um, had well, he's a, a former Assemblyman, He's too, still right? in the Assembly. He's, he is. He's, okay. He's a, he's a sitting Assembly member and um, you know, took a lot of democracy, some other classes, and I was the president of our international arbitration team. Huh. How about that? Interesting. So when did you graduate there? Uh, I think it was 2012. Okay, 2012. And then, and then you, you, I guess, wanted to get into the election law career type thing. So what gave you the inspiration to launch IVP, Independent Voter Project? Well, that- actually, actually, IVP, Independent Voter Project, was started in 2006 by, uh, full disclosure, my father, Steve Peace, and Jeff Marston, who's sitting here to my left, so a okay. Republican and a Democrat. Um, okay. And their mission was to, well, their, their slogan is, democracy functions best when the most people participate. So I actually got involved in law school, not because I had a a legal degree and I was an attorney because I was obviously still in law school. They Mm -hmm. asked me because uh, me and my former and current business partner had experienced in the digital media world. And so their question for us wasn't, can you, can you help us on the legal end? It was, Hey, we have an idea of try to reform the election process. Can you help us educate voters? Interesting. So what were you doing in the digital media world before this then? So like I said, every story (laughs) depends on how far you go back. Um, after, after having grown up in a political world, I, I concluded I didn't want to be involved in politics. Um, but then come from, I think, around 2006, 2007, I, me and my former and current business partner were very engaged in uh, that Ron Paul revolution. Mm, okay. And um, we together helped um, organize and help promote. You know, a lot of people like to take credit for things, especially those big money bombs Ron Paul had. But there was a lot of people across the country, and we happened to be a couple of them that were working in the in the inner grassroots circles to, to promote those. So, so to build that network up a little bit. Right. Huh? So as a consequence, we learned a lot about the value of using digital media to reach voters. Hmm. Um, subsequently, went back to law school, um, probably moderated my positions a little bit, came a little bit ideo- less ideological and a little more practical about mm-hmm. uh, not only what the solutions are, but really thinking about, well, where do the grievances really lie um in the election i thought we're going to get to you know full disclosures uh uh, chad's dad was one of the principals involved in attack of the killer tomatoes the famous cult (laughs) film and actually is there a third there was a uh, part two a sequel and then is there a third one coming out or well there's actually four there's actually four that that were produced for better or for worse but uh (laughs) There's uh, escalating rumors that a script is being written for a rewrite of the original, and it's oh um, getting 
closer to its uh, uh, finalizing the script and then, you know, see about how quickly we can get into production. How, how can you possibly top the original? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, they had this, Richard, I, I actually was an extra, I think, in the sequel. You were an extra tomato? Uh, no, well, no. They were filming this. Uh, I think there's a hotel now. It was a San Diego Bank and Trust down on Broadway. They were filming one scene down. You remember this, Jeff? And you know who was in it was uh, Rick Rockwell, yeah, who Rick I, Rockwell. I knew at the time. Yeah. He got me, wrote me into this thing, and um, and and then uh, John Aston is it? Or who's the guy from oh. from uh, the Adams family? Got he it. he yes. was in it, and then this Olympic swimmer guy, I forget his name, but he was in it, and uh, you probably remember the name, maybe not. Anyway, I think I got left on the cutting room floor, but uh, we did all go to the to the premieres and everything, and you know, actually, it's a pretty famous film. It, uh, is it so well like all globally? Or it did pretty well. It actually had a very very large international following, especially in Japan, and actually Spain for some reason had a really big following. I mean, some people say it can't get any better. Some people say it couldn't possibly get any worse. So, I mean, <laughs> Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Hey, just just the title alone. I know, I know. I think that's anyway. Well, that's interesting. I thought you were going to tell me my digital experience. I helped to promote uh, the, you know the Tomatoes franchise uh, online, but uh, anyway, I digress. But that's an interesting little side note for for listeners. I I think. Um, but anyway, where'd we leave off? So uh, you got went back to law school. You went to law school, and then what gave you the inspiration? I guess this started, and then you started working over at IVP yourself? or Right, so IVP contacted us and said, hey, can you help us with voter outreach, voter education online? So as I, you know, I started building tools. One of them was a news website and Facebook page to mm. educate voters about how the election process really works. So while I was doing that, I was also taking classes like Law of Democracy, and election law and really trying to think about how does how does our election laws affect the individual rights of voters so let's stop looking at voters as a group of Democrats mm -hmm. let's stop looking at them as a group of Republicans or libertarians yeah let's just look at voters as yeah. individual people. and the traffic now is what how many a day or week or month or whatever well like our a, Facebook reach for example is about six million a month isn't that organically something? Wow. All right, so more about IVP with Chad peace when we come back hang on We're back with Chad Peace. <laughs> Good job, Justin. That's Justin on the soundboard doing a little research during the break. Good for you. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I forgot that I have to buy that soundtrack, but I didn't know they had a soundtrack. I can anyway. get you a deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, who sang that? Anybody know who sang that? Anybody know? Who knows? A lo I, I don't look local, at me. I don't your know. dad. Your dad, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear him sing. Anyway, independentvoterproject.org. Uh, you get in there. The traffic now is phenomenal. You say six million on Facebook, and, and just tell me to the website per se. Um, Are you about half a million views a month? Isn't that something? My gosh. <laughs> I know it's a major four, and they're not all in California, right? This is no, it's it's national. We we target some of our outreach in California, but it's a national based yeah. audience. So, uh, so, what are the demographics of the viewers? Is it a younger crowd, or is it all across the board? You know, it might surprise you that the average Facebook uh, follower on our our like on our Facebook page is actually over fifty five years old. Wow, I was going to say forty five. Wow, okay, that is something that does surprise me. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but and, and you can bear this out, Chad. Um, the, the largest group of voting block of uh, voters out there is the independent voter. It's 43% nationally. It's at an all-time high. Isn't that right? 
Right. And yeah, if, if you look and they a lot of political commentators will try to identify political independence as, you know, they're really left leaning or right leaning mm-hmm. or this or that. The reality is you can't put a label on an independent voter. They're, right. By definition, they're independent minded. And right. sure, some of them are on the far left, some are on the far right. But yeah. what we try to focus on them is not as a collective group, but as an individual voter. And so and that's how we p- approach voting rights in the election yeah. process. Is yeah, I consider myself a meritocrat. If the candidate merits my vote, I will vote for him or her. And uh, I don't like to get, you know, labeled. And I, I think a lot of people are starting to feel that way. Huh? Well, it's tough being both a Democrat or a Republican these days, Joe. Well, that's why it's 43 percent. Well, I don't know. Who are not? Well, Democrats, I think it's about 35. And I think yeah. Republican about 25 plus or minus a point or two. Is that about right? Would you say registration wise nationally? Right. By registration. So you think you look at the primary elections in this presidential cycle, a lot of folks have registered with a party simply so they can cast a vote right. during the primary election. So if you go by self-identification, the number is actually a lot higher mm. in political well, independence. I'm in favor of open primaries, and I don't, I don't know how many states have those anymore. I mean, do we have that in California across the board locally and throughout the state? Can, or do you have to – if you want to vote for Trump, you had to register as Republican. How does that work? Right. Well, it's a, it's a little little bit complex because in California we have different system for president and for statewide elections. Okay. Now there's a long historical context to this, but Independent Voter Project in 2010 authored an initiative, the top two nonpartisan primary. Mm-hmm. And what that did, there's all kinds of people who commentate on what it was supposed to do or not do, but think right. about it from an individual rights perspective. It's really mm-hmm. simple. Mm-hmm. Traditional primaries, the purpose is a private purpose. It's mm-hmm. to elect somebody to represent the party mm-hmm. on the general election ballot. Mm-hmm. What the top two did was change the purpose to a public purpose. And we said, if the taxpayers are going to fund a system, if our public officials are going to administer it, the purpose shouldn't be to elect somebody to represent the party on the general election ballot. It should be the top two um, candidates that mm-hmm. represent right. the entire electorate. So right. now all the candidates, all the voters, they Oops. all participate on one ballot. Now that didn't change the presidential primary because we have to fit our presidential primary within a, a system that serves 50 different states who all send their electors to the electoral college. So ironically, um, California has an open presidential primary under their constitution, mm-hmm. but because of arguments made by the Democratic Party in 2000 before the Supreme Court, um, our, our state is not allowed to force the parties to allow non-members to participate in their primaries. So I said it's I- ironic because under today's which, rules— Which Supreme Court, California or U.S.? The United States Supreme Court. Oh, okay. So— I call it ironic because we, the Democrats allow non-members to participate on their presidential primary now in California, where they're the same party that argued before the Supreme Court that said you can't force us to do it. Mm-hmm. So, the, But the Republicans, they closed their presidential primary. So if you want to vote for Trump or Cruz or Kasich and you're not a Republican, well, then you can't. Um, Are you guys working to try to overcome that or open all that up because i think that's a good idea don't you we've actually have a resolution right now it's in the california legislature which would is a balance between the two rights at stake and now the independent voter project is not anti-party and Mm -hmm. we recognize the parties have a legitimate right to protect their nomination process Mm -hmm. so our resolution before the uh, in the assembly right now is is relatively simple it says okay, you're going to issue a ballot that serves the private purpose of the Democratic Party and the private purpose of the Republican Party. 
But for all those voters who choose not to identify with the political party, simply put all the candidates on the ballot and let them select from any of the candidates. And the parties can choose to view those results and consider them at their state conventions, or they can choose not to. But as it stands right now, the, the delegates are actually selected by the parties at their state convention. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go to the Democratic Party's private rules, for example, they have no obligation to follow the results of the primary election. Right. And ironically, the Republican Party actually binds themselves to the primary election results. Well, there's pledged delegates and there's superdelegates, right? So the pledged ones must oh, – What? how does that work? Well, that's, actu- that's actually post-primary, okay. right? So even before that, when they have the vote, the actual selection process is made at the convention. So some might say the Democratic Party is more Democratic because they allow all voters to participate in their primary. Some people might argue that the Republican Party is actually more Democratic because in their at their state convention they have private rules the winner, that say the winner takes all kind of thing. Well, it right? says we have to follow the will of the Republican voters that mm-hmm. participated in the primaries. But didn't that happen in I guess '08? Uh, didn't Hillary have most of the superdelegates, and didn't they all change over to Obama when they saw how the states were going uh, over time? or how did Right. Well, the, the superdelegates issue is, is a lot more complex, and it's more governed by internal party rules. But, yeah, the, the superdelegates are essentially free to, to select who they want. They don't right. have to follow the will of, of the public election at all. And how often would do they deviate from that? I mean, it's um, typically— I mean, and, and obviously President Obama got elected. He must have won most of the superdelegates. And even though they may have, you know, announced for someone else earlier on, is, is that how it worked out? I, I didn't really follow it that closely in 08. Well, I think the superdelegates are really just, they're more of an internal party kind of battle mm-hmm. for them. And if they see the will of the voters going one way or another, they're mm-hmm. likely to switch their position. Um, the sad thing is, uh, it comes down to about, I think there's like, Politico says there's seven battleground states uh, in this election cycle, Nevada, mm-hmm. uh, New Hampshire, a few others. I mean, so those states essentially are electing the president, right? I mean. You know. So, Chad, who's going to be the next president? Well, Richard, come on now, come on. <laughs> I certainly don't they have don't, that answer. They don't have dogs in this fight. They're, they're independent, and they're not But my point, my yeah. point is, you know, seven swing states uh, determine the president, and, you know, maybe it's time to get rid of the Electoral College, too. What do you well, think? Well, I think you asked a fundamental question. When we send, when California State sends their electors to the Electoral College, to whose loyalty do they have them? And as it stands now... We've basically ceded our authority to send delegates to the Electoral College to the Democratic Party. That's, just, that's what the state's done. And so our position has always been that elections should serve voters first. And it's not in California's interest. It's not in the California Democratic Party's interest or the California Republican Party's interest to put ourselves, our state, in a position where we literally don't matter. Yeah. Where candidates don't come to our state and talk to our voters because... And our primary's we, in June. It's right. so late. It's after well, it's everybody. Who, and it's who? directly related to the election process that ceded our authority over so, to... So uh, maybe we need to move that up a few months, too. What do, you, <laughs> what do you say? And who's after June? I don't even know. I mean, that's pretty much the ball game by June. You pretty much know who's going to be in it, right? Well, usually the, the primaries usually 
Well, that'll determined be determined almost by by. So today. that's another project for us guys. Let's get that. <laughs> Lots let's of work. Move that Chad, do you think up, the party so. system will look the same a hundred years from now as it does today? Oh, or do you think gosh. there's going to be significant changes over time? It probably won't look the same in twenty years, Richard. It's, it's not looking the same right now. The Republican Party's well, imploding. but I asked Chad. You know, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I know, I, but we got a half a minute to okay, the break. So. I think it has to change. I mean, when the when the parties when they instituted primaries at the turn of the century, we had a much different demographic. Um, half the voters were Republicans, mm -hmm. half were Democrats, and now. Yeah, we the Dixiecrats, I mean, the Democrat was mostly a Southern party back right. in the day. Right. Um, and, and like I said, we're not about ending the parties or even ending the two-party system. I think what we have to do is reframe election laws so that it encourages participation. Mm -hmm. Well, the 43% indies, I mean, they are ripe for a, a third-party person. But anyway, independentvoterproject.org, folks, get over there. We'll be back with Jeff Marston after this break. Hang on. All right, we're back with the second half of the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. And now this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. A big thank you, as always, to our sponsors, UBS with Michael Caronta and Drew Freitas. In fact, I'm going to be seeing those gentlemen down at the Indian Wells Tennis Tournament later next week because they always have really good seats and we go down and have some fun instead of just doing business. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, we got Polito Epic CPAs up in San Marcos, Don Epic and Paul Polito. Also, recent guest Jason Kruger with Signature Analytics, an absolutely incredible CFO firm. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group specializing in business valuation. Also, Joel Grushkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Upcoming guest, Brenda Geiger with the Geiger Law Office. Brenda specializes in asset protection and estate planning. That's when she's not writing yet another book. California Republic Bank. In fact, they have a really interesting event coming up on March 24th. And Sean Puckett and Heidi Hanna will be upcoming guests as well. A very interesting bank that specializes in working with wealthy families and family offices. Neil Staley, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, now Hub International, an absolutely incredible employee benefits forum. They must be staying busy with all these funny reportings that are going on uh, for healthcare coverage. Boy, that's a very interesting topic. More on that later. The LG Experience in the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors become heroes to their very best clients. Also, Paul Hines, he's the CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, but Paul, of course, heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent elder financial abuse. We got the Very Good Food Foundation. I know Michelle Lirac has been on and is coming up again soon. And that was a really interesting show, Joe, about soils. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. Nathan sure. Watkins, a recent <laughs> guest with Worldwide Credit, an absolute expert in home mortgages. And last but not least, for those of you who want a great cup of coffee and to hear some great music. Get over to Lestat's Coffee House. Uh, they're in uh, University Heights. They're in Normal Heights. And they're about to open on University Avenue, the third big one. And uh, one's right near uh, the office of uh, IVP, by the way. So, Which is a good lead-in. Oh, but Richard, you're going to ask me a question, aren't you? How do well, our listeners we, we find our guests? <laughs> go ahead, Joe. Tell our listeners well, how to li find our guests. If you want to find out more about our sponsors, folks, just go over to iymoney.com. There's a sponsors tab and a drop-down menu. You can get all their information right there, their bio, their contact info. And they've all been working with Richard for many years with great success. Many years. You can buy their books and all kinds of cool things. Absolutely. We've got so many authors on that list. It's beyond belief. Absolutely. But speaking of IVP, we have the uh, – actually, he's the co-chair for the Independent Voter Project. But before that, he was a California member of the California State Assembly in the 78th district and then he was the lobbyist for the city of san diego and then he matriculated over to ivp but his name is jeff marston jeff welcome to the show 
Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, so what can you tell us about your background real quickly, born and raised where and all uh, that? Cause born, we... in, uh, born in Manhattan, raised in Englewood, New Jersey um, hmm. for the first 15 years. And then I, my dad retired. They were looking for a place to live well, I guess, on a fixed income. And we ended up in Guadalajara, Mexico. Oh, my gosh. So that's how I found San Diego. We came across the country, drove down the coast. Mm-hmm. My brother had just moved here the year before. And, mm-hmm. and dad basically said, you know, if the furniture wasn't already across the border, we would have stayed right here. <laughs> so, I, so I came back every summer to work and hang out and what have you. Decided I wanted to go to San Diego State. And Was your and brother going to school here or no, something? No, he was, he was, uh, he's uh, a little bit older than I am. So he was all on his successful financial financial planner or career and, and mm, what have you. Interesting. Um, and so uh, mom and dad decided to, to follow me up. They thoroughly loved living there, but, you know, dad didn't speak Spanish, and, you know, mom yeah. just kind of hung out and had a great time, yeah. so they just followed me up there. How do you speak Spanish with a New Jersey accent anyway? <laughs> That's what I want to know. That's for another show, Richard. You, but yeah, anyway. you, fake it, you fake it well. Yes. Okay. I got your tacos right here, Richard. Translate that. <laughs> exactly. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> So, did you go? You went to high school. Did you go so, to college out here? Went to college at San Diego State, and okay. then the, and then my last semester uh, was an internship with S.I. Hayakawa, who had just been elected oh. to oh, the yeah. who had just been elected yep. to the U.S. Senate. Sure. And I was literally when I went there, I was literally one of about a dozen people on a staff that grew to ninety. He was so, here at U.S. He was, this was in Washington. It was, oh, okay. a, it was my last semester at state. I got okay. a, I got twelve units to uh, to do this, and that oh. was enough to graduate. And so I essentially, as an intern at age twenty one, became a staff person. Wow. Uh, and what was, it, was it, what was his position at the time? Was he in office or no? He was he was the president of San Francisco State. Okay, and then was elected to the was elected to the U.S. Senate in, okay. in 1976. So as a senator, you went and worked in. I went, I went to work for him as an intern. And wow. then as soon as I graduated, he, he got me for free for like four months. And then once once I graduated, then, yeah. okay, let's hire this guy. So did you stay in D.C.? I or? stayed in D.C. for two years, and then I ran his San Diego office, which was for most of Southern California huh. uh, for the last four years of his term. So I was with him his entire six years. I forgot he was a senator from California, yeah. right? Wow, how about that? And then it was I went to, you know, I worked in a, a PR firm. I went to City Hall and worked for Councilwoman Gloria McCall for five years. Mm-hmm. And when she left office, that was when Lucy Calais was elected to the state senate, mm-hmm. Her assembly seat became available and mm-hmm. i ran for that what, year, what years were 1990 you I, was, I was there I, I i have one of the shortest and I, you, you used to um not talk about this because it was maybe embarrassing now i kind of laugh about it i like one of the shortest terms legitimate terms in the history of the legislature legitimate means somebody didn't die in office or any of that kind of stuff <laughs> but i had but i had uh, i was elected it was a it was four elections within one year and wow. i had i had to run in a special election primary I won the pro- I won the special election runoff the against same day to, uh, Mike Gotch okay. and, and the same day as I was nominated for the full term mm-hmm. and then Mike beat me um, six months later huh. uh, for the for the full term so it was it was a short lived but it was valuable to me I made I made so many content. great friendships and yeah. and it, it led to I I believe anyway um, the position after I joined a PR firm with the city of San Diego I was there day-to-day lobbyist in Sacramento for four years mm-hmm. and then was part of their legislative team for about 14 of the next 15 years. Under which years. mayor? Were you under Mayor? I um, was under Mayor Golding. Um, technically, I was under Golding when I was up there, but mm-hmm. it was Golding, Murphy, Murphy and Sanders, Sanders. Okay. In the, uh, for all of them. And technically, also Bob Filner, but then 
Uh-huh. Um, he fired our firm right at the beginning when he went in. Well, that didn't last long that, anyway. That didn't let you well. Yeah, I won't, I won't get into that. Think, you know, yeah. Bob was a, a professor of mine at San Diego State. We go back a long way. I, yeah. I get along fine yeah, with Bob. Yeah, of course. But, for, um, for you trivia fans, well, he was the guest on our show the day two days before the news broke. Well, for you trivia fans, we had Mayor Sanders in here. His, we did. This was his last full interview in office, by mm-hmm. by the way. So uh, he's a fan of the show. And, and, and as is, look, at Mayor Fellner got rid of those traffic lights. Every time I go through a yellow line, I go, thank you, Bob. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. For what got rid of those and cleaned up the bird and I keep my hands on myself so. but whatever <laughs> keep my hands on the wheel <laughs> there's so many things I just have no reaction to I just, I just sit there and listen to you and smile and yeah. nod my head but you know you try to see the good in, in people I guess yeah. so um, but uh, interesting background Jeff and, and then and then how did you get involved with IVP well Steve Peace as, as Chad mentioned uh, actually um, founded IVP mm-hmm. and came to me and said I'd like you to be my co-chair and I think a lot of that had to do with we have a longtime friendship he's a democrat i'm a republican mm-hmm. and it's a real classic case it's it's sort of emblematic of what we try to do steve and i have been friends for a long time mm-hmm. but he was on the other side of the aisle when i was in the assembly and one of his political campaign type jobs as an assemblyman was to take me out mm-hmm. and and you know I, I always looked at it as one of these things where the tv shows where the guys you take the, you out for the, dinner or take you out no, of take office? No, take me out of office. Oh, where, okay. Where, yeah, it's kind of like they give the guy the gun, and yeah. if, 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 if you're really on our team because we don't trust him, kill him. Uh-huh. And, well, Steve pulled the trigger, but that's the way it goes. Uh-huh. Um, and I sort of thanked him for getting me out of that over the years. But the point is, so you have all these years later, we come together as Independent Voter Project working together, and our whole issue is you know, the voters' rights, civility, and we're, like Chad said, we're not against the political parties. Did, did you say civility with regard yeah. to the well, election? Well, listen to their mission and provide voters. <laughs> with politically neutral, accurate, and reliable information Boy, about, ever need that. about important yeah. public policy issues. I mean, this is refreshing. Encourage nonpartisan voters to vote, you know. And it's all there on the website, folks, independentvoters.org. Uh, the goals, the principles, the vision, it, it's all good stuff. And uh, we need to be doing more about this. You know, people have... You can have different views and still, you know, be friends. Uh, people get too, uh, even even inside parties. I see the Hillary, Bernie people really bumping heads on Facebook. I go, you know, folks, I mean. Joe, I can't even be it, friends with myself because I'm so right-leaning in but, terms of monetary policy and so left-leaning in terms of social issues. I get into arguments with myself. Yeah, well. Who wins? <laughs> Both of us. You and Woody Allen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My therapist scores big. <laughs> But anyway, the reason I did invite these guys on the fo- on the show is to uh, to discuss this 50% plus one rule. And when we come back from the break, we're going to get into uh, how we can possibly get rid of that and get everybody into the final election. So we'll be back with Jeff Marston from IVP right after this. Hang on. home stretch of It's Your Money and Your Life. We're back with Jeff Marston, co-chair of Independent Voter Project, independentvoterproject.org. And what I'd like to talk Joe, about he now. got Hawaii 5-0 on. 5-0 is 50. Oh, good call, good Justin. Good call, Justin. God, I that's, got it. That's two that in a row, right man. Joe's head. That is two in a row. Great, 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 great. But uh, anyway, folks, I don't know how many of you know this, but for all our city elections, whether it's mayor, city council, city attorney, or anything else in that range, um, if you get 50% of the vote in the June primary plus one extra vote, you are considered the winner. And everybody else has to go into November in final elections, but uh, not these guys. Is it the same with the county, uh, Jeff? Or, yes. Or, 
Same, Same with county. the county. Mm-hmm. Whoever conceived of this in the first place and, and, and why? Was it, a, was it a cost-saving thing for smaller towns in California or what? I, I think that was part of it. It also, it, in San Diego, it, it grew out of the, the switch from um, the way the elections are currently run for the school board, where the, they're, the, uh, the candidates run district only. And then regardless of um, how many votes you get or what your percentages are, both candidates then run the top, excuse me, the top two candidates then run citywide mm-hmm. or district-wide, I should say, which is the way we used to do it in San Diego until 1989. And when we went to district elections, that's uh, where we, that's where we, it, it switched to the 50% plus one rule. Yeah. Well, it just, it just doesn't, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you think about most, a lot of voters for better or for worse, don't even really get engaged until the summer. And, and a lot can happen between June and November anyway. You know, you could get some bad story comes out about a candidate who uh, unfortunately got elected, but you're stuck with him or her. But uh, anyway, um, we're trying to, you know, what are we, we're trying to build a coalition, get some public discourse on this. Uh, as a matter of fact, is that what we're going to be talking about at Lestash with your, with your students? Right, that's, that's what we'll be doing there. The, in, the, in terms of the, the actual, uh, what we're trying to do, um, you know, it, as Chad mentioned, it, our sort of mantra at Independent Voter Project is democracy is best served when the most people participate. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, what we did with the, the top two nonpartisan primary. So as we're looking around at, you know, helping to, to affect change, all of a sudden we look at it's on our own backyard. Mm-hmm. And we have a situation where if you take a look at the turnout record starting in, say, I mean, you can go back, but starting in 2010, it's, it's, it's for the most part, at least double the turnout yeah. of voters between the primary election and the general election. And our whole thing is, you know, we would like to see people elected to office when the most people vote. Right. Uh, and it's significantly, the differences are significantly stark, frankly, in the in the African-American, Asian-American, and, and Latino. Latino communities. Yeah. Um, and and it's, 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 it's a pretty straightforward. Our whole, our whole thing is about voter rights. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is an opportunity. And you mentioned all kinds of things. People are not engaged until the, until the primary, until the general election, mm-hmm. and so forth. You're also, by the, by the nature of the word primary, you're, you're intimating that there is a second phase. Right. And all of a sudden you find out that if it's 50% plus one, these people are, they're done. Yeah. And they, so... Exactly. And well, I, what's I did, the exact date of that event again at Lestat or Chad? If you have that, March 29th. It's a it's a it's a Tuesday night. It's March 29th, six o'clock at the one on Adams. By the way, the one by uh, the Normal Heights sign there on Adams, and that's open to anybody, student, um, adult, anybody, right? Absolutely. And that's mostly going to be talking about this initiative and, and some other things. We're talking about on. this initiative, and, and basically, it's 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 we want to educate the public. We also want to. Frankly, it's sort of a putting out a, a challenge, if you will, to those in office and those running for office mm-hmm. that, that you, you go on and on and on about voter turnout and how do we increase voter turnout and, mm-hmm. and let's get people engaged. At the end of the day, this is sort of a no-brainer way. All you have to do, and it's not all you have to do, it's, not, it's a charter change, so it's not, yeah. it's not easy, but you change the charter and you, and you make it, a, you make it a, an election where top two go to November regardless. So essentially, if, if, if we get enough of the council members behind this, and I don't know if the mayor's going to ratify or, or veto, that'd be interesting to see, but um, uh, this can get on the, the probably the November ballot when you, when, you know, you don't want this on the, do you want this in the June ballot or the November ballot? Now, you got to give that well, some thought well, as well. Well, to be true to our own mantra, we should probably put it on the November ballot. Yeah. But for this election, it's too late for June anyway, yeah. but... So, so that's probably good, I think. But I, I did see from your notes that in 2012, only two of the seven citywide races went to the general. So, so five city uh, city uh, officers uh, were elected, you know, in the primary. 
essentially, and that's what we're talking about here. So it's not right, as uh, somebody else says on another TV station. <laughs> well, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to build the coalitions to really go and take on an issue like this because almost by its nature, it's, the first question everybody wants to ask is, oh, what, what side are you working for? What side's benefit? Well, the reality is this, this 50% plus one rule has benefited the Republicans at time. It's benefited mm -hmm. the Democrats at time. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's, I think this is a test for San Diego. Can we get together and say, forget it. This is Just look at it as a voting rights issue and get together and just do what's right. right. Let's it, get rid of it, this anti-democratic It, it seems role. to benefit the incumbent, which is probably why it, it got there in the first place or, or a lot of the reasons. And why I don't I, care, I hate to speculate, but I think that makes most sense. So, so Richard, don't you agree that uh, this needs to go? I think it needs to go just yeah. because. Well, I like the point about we need to keep people engaged for as long as possible in the process. Yeah. So we're working on a co building a coalition of local uh, city leaders and thought leaders, etc. Right? And uh, see but but isn't the up. presumption anytime somebody wants to change something in the system that you're working from one side or the other? Yeah. Well, we're we're yeah. going to try and get them all involved in this. You know, if, if we get some buy-in from people on the left and right, if labor likes us, which I think they do, and we get some uh, some other office holders and some other people that we're talking with. Yeah, that's what, and that's what Chad, and that's what what Chad said. That's that's the challenge. Is is you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like, well, are you with the Democrats, or this is going to hurt the Democrats, or hurt the Republicans, or vice versa? Mm -hmm. and, and I respectfully say, you, you don't get it. We're finding we some, don't we yeah. don't give a damn. Yeah, our yeah. whole our whole thing is about the voter, right, and about engaging the voter. Yeah. And it, it, there's 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 no other issue here. And if you're going to talk about people need to be involved, people need to be engaged, and how do you increase turnout? Mm -hmm. Well, you just take a look at the figures between the primaries and the general election, and mm -hmm. it's 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 this is me very biased saying it's a no brainer to support. Mm -hmm. It's, a, it's a difficult. So Bob Brewer's been I guess on this show. Yes, he former has. Former DA candidate. He's for this. Uh, I, I happen to know, you know, a lot of people on the left side of the column that are for this, and uh, we think we might get some maybe county office holders uh, who might endorse well, we this. Are, we are inviting at the, the event you're talking about on the 29th. We are inviting outreaching to everyone: oh. Republican Party, the Dem the Democratic Party, the, the the smaller parties, the candidates running for all the offices, and, oh. and, and community leaders. And it's basically a hey, this is what we're doing. Come hear about it. Oh. And so there's there's nobody being left oh, out. Oh, that's anywhere. way cool. I thought it was mostly just saying that students. This is really great. I didn't yeah. know that. So good. Yeah. Outstanding. We can have coffee and get all wired and uh, whatever. Take off, <laughs> yeah, get out exactly. the brass knuckles. <laughs> like we're going to need that. Yeah. But I think I think most thinking people would agree with with this that it make it makes good sense and um, and and hopefully uh, cooler heads and smarter heads will prevail. So right. We hope so too. Yeah. We appreciate it. And that. Um, so, independentvoterproject.org. And I didn't start my watch, Justin. How much time left for this segment? Uh, okay, a couple minutes to the till the end of the show. But uh, any other resolutions or compelling things that are on your minds right now about either one of you that you're working on? I know you have this other resolution you were talking about, uh, right? Is that about the primaries uh, also, or? Well, yeah, this resolution would just address the presidential primary, but okay. I think at its core, it's something we see all this dissatisfaction, and it's really, I think, derives from a national political dialogue that mm -hmm. pits us, that intentionally pits us against each other on specific issues. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned before, I think that the difficulty and in, in the hurdle we have to overcome, not only as an organization, but as you know, society that's disenchanted with our, with our government, mm -hmm. is to say, look, we're going to disagree with each other on all kinds of stuff, 
but mm-hmm. we have to elect people who are willing to disagree with us on some things, but still talk to us about others. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, we've we've established a system that doesn't encourage that. I, so, yeah. Well, further, the media I, feeds into the disenchantment. Yeah. I think we, in schools so. we need to teach civics again. We need to teach emotional intelligence and how you can have you know civil discourse. A lot of people are conflict averse. People need to know how to embrace conflict and and um, you know. Well, I'd like and, to and, see and, that point discussed. I, uh, you know, Joe. It, the, the whole issue we need to see civics again i hear people yeah. over here saying it and people over here and everybody seems to say that and so what are you doing about it i think we anybody, should, i think it's, yeah it's, i think we should call it go- instead of civics it sounds too much like a physic i think we should call it governance or some kind of new name it, 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 it whatever. could be it's kind of low and i want you guys to become you guys are going to become the khan academy of that so we'll talk That's more fine. about that too after <laughs> okay. the show the anyway thank you jeff marston and chad peace independentvoterproject.org and get over there folks and we'll see you at Lestats on that monday by the way richard miso great seeing you uh, justin hart thanks for making a song great our sound engineer and thanks to craig blanky our account executive and to dave sniff our programming genius here at kfmb all these podcasts are commercial free on iymoney.com and we'll see you next time bye-bye